What's going on? Welcome back to the No Clue Podcast, episode 207. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Mike. And I'm Tyler. Welcome back. Uh, seems like it's been a while, but um, we have a little, not too much to get into today. But let's start with the NFL and Lamar Jackson officially uh, demanding a trade from the Ravens. Um, obviously, this, this offseason was going to be big no matter what happened as far as um, Lamar and the Ravens went with the injuries this year and um, his free agency. How do you feel about this? Are you surprised in any way? At this point, no. I mean, the situation's like, you know, we we were speculating throughout the year that how messy this situation was going to get. And it's... I mean, it's lived up to my expectations, at least. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, the thing is, we have, as you know, people who like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I just don't know how many times we've asked them to get weapons, how many times he's asked them to get weapons. The best weapon they had, they let go. And no disrespect to the guys they have there, but they don't have a Super Bowl championship level roster right now um and it doesn't really they have a good they have a solid roster they have a solid roster they have a good enough roster to be competitive every year but you look around the league and everyone else is getting better and the ravens really aren't Uh, i think that's probably the most frustrating thing for a lot of superstars when yeah okay we, we got a little bit better but Every other good quarterback or MVP caliber quarterback is getting a lot better with his, yeah. you know, his roster is getting a lot better and ours is getting a little bit better. So, and that that's kind of the, the difference to your point is I think a lot of people think Lamar could go toe to toe with, you know, at least the other AFC quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, but their rosters are getting better. Exactly. I mean, yeah. the Chargers, every year Herbert's been there, they're looking for weapons. Kansas City is obviously reloading on weapons as we speak. Uh, yeah. The Bengals have a ton of weapons. Yeah, I mean, you look at a yeah. team that's coming up like the Jag- the Jaguars. Have, to me, came up in part because they gave Trevor Lawrence more weapons. Yeah. So yeah. Baltimore just kind of like hasn't followed the obvious trend. Mm-hmm. And now it's all Lamar. You know, they're trying to like frame it as it's all Lamar being unreliable yeah. because he gets hurt. Right. I mean, you didn't even mention the Bills and the Dolphins. The Dolphins have went crazy. Every year they get exactly. better and better and better. Exactly. Yeah. The Titans are even getting guys, you know, trying to make some moves the, to get the better. The trend is so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. They when they think they have a good quarterback or a young talented quarterback they're surrounding him with everything it takes to succeed and Lamar doesn't need that much not as much as someone like Tua or obviously Tannehill or something like that and they don't need him that much yeah so yeah I get it it's frustrating though because you have like you have the Falcons owner kind of painting it as oh Lamar has been hurt so, like, that's part of the reason teams aren't eagerly trying to get him. Like, what do you mean? That's part of the game. It is part of the game. 
Bro, the, the Ravens just lost, what was it, last year? They lost their entire running back depth over the course of, like, a training camp. Yeah. And Lamar by himself kept them afloat. Yeah, they were still competitive. Yeah. Again, Baltimore, yeah. like, I, I watch some talk shows, and they talk about how Baltimore has this reputation of making good decisions, like, building the team – adjusting or whatever whatever it takes to be competitive but since Lamar has gotten there they've done none of that and that's what, that's the weirdest thing I don't understand I don't really that's, get that's why, why I would expect them to pay him whatever he's worth and more yeah so yeah I don't know man I, I hate that this situation has played out but we're we're on the same page as a ton of people, and I'm from you know close to Baltimore. I know a lot of Ravens fans, and they mm-hmm. want Lamar to go somewhere else. That's bad when 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 your own fans. Yeah, how often do does better? a team's own fan base take the player's side? Very very rarely. That never yeah. happens. So you, it just goes to show how insane this situation's gotten. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully um, he finds a home that he likes and that he can really succeed in. Um, yeah, I hope it's not somebody that sucks. That's what I'm worried about too. Like, yeah, like okay, you're teams. giving him, you're giving him what he's worth, but I don't want mm-hmm. him to come here. Not only does he not have weapons here, there's no defense here. The coach is worse here. The organization is more of a mess. Like you know, there's a couple obvious candidates, but yeah. it's how just you, I how just you feel don't about the, How you feel about the Colts? The Colts are okay. I'm. They're a little weird. Their owners weird, but they seem to always try to make moves to make the team better. Yeah, I know they're looking at them. Um, if the Steelers hadn't just drafted it quarterback, I'm sure they would have been looking at them. But I don't know if the Ravens would trade him to another AFC North team. Imagine, uh, imagine picking, thinking Kenny Pickett is our future of when we could go get Lamar Jackson. That's sick. I mean, I don't know if they think that, but I know, you know. Mike, not- Mike Tomlin gets them a positive record with like, with worse than Baltimore's roster. Yeah, every year. Every single year. But Kenny Pickett over Lamar Jackson. Okay. Um, I've, I've been hearing Patriots. That would be cool. Of, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I've been hearing a lot of interesting things. I don't know if the Patriots would be progressive enough to adapt to his kind of game, um, to how Lamar plays, but uh, it would be interesting, interesting to see. But both Colts and the Patriots, like let's just assume they're kind of the front runners. At least they are according to rumors. Yeah. Very run heavy teams. Yeah, they are. And that's I, yeah. I want to see that. I want to see a team well, Baltimore's like they're all they've always been dedicated to running the ball, but they haven't had a star running back. Their offensive line is kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Colts and Patriots, I think they could unleash Lamar even more, to be honest. Very possible, yeah. So who's the new coach for the Colts? Have they said? Mm. 
remember. The offensive coordinator from the Eagles, I believe. Mm, yes, yes, I believe you're right. Yeah. Where did the other one go? I, the defensive coordinator got hired by somebody too, but I don't remember yeah. who. See, we've been out. We've been out on this for a while. But anyway, uh, new coach in uh, in Indiana. So th- that would be really interesting if they got a new quarterback and a new coach the same year. would be very interesting. They progressed the so bad last year, man. It was very disappointing. Yeah. And then they kind of blew it up in a way. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, the coaching thing was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, anything else in football you want to talk about while we're here? I don't really have much more to say. I think that's the biggest thing. Roger still hasn't. No, hasn't that's not going to happen till after the draft. It looks like. Right. Aaron, Aaron, and this whole this this information coming out every day that makes Aaron look more and more like a liar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm not even at this point. I honestly don't care. Like, I, I don't know why he lied about the details. I don't know why he's so pressed to try to make the Packers look bad. Yeah, I know me either. It's, it's, like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. At this point, you know, I'm rooting for Jordan Love. I hope he is the next uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Me too. Me too. The game's a trend for them. Mm hmm. Um, I saw Odell is meeting with the Jets. Uh, he's still up in the air. Still probably the best free agent available at the moment. Uh, yeah, that's you know don't know about that either. So a lot of a lot of uh, intrigue right now. So we'll see what happens next few yeah. weeks. Okay. Um. Let's get to the NBA then. Uh, where do you want to start in the league? We got to start with Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. The the current worst situation in the league, I would say. Yeah. Uh, just at yeah. the moment, as far as like you know how the season was expected to end, how good they should have been. How good they were right. last year. Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, I thought a month into the season, I thought Dallas was a legitimate contender. Then they traded yeah. Finney Smith, who I've been talking about since before their deep playoff run. I was like, man, Finney Smith looks really important out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, you know, when you look at the standings, you don't even realize how bad it is that they're out of the plan. Like, I think people to think like, oh, they're not in the playoffs. Yeah, they're not in the, they're not even the top 10 seeds. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, like, because how it's shaped now with the plan, people think, you know, oh, yeah, they're out of the playoffs. That, that would mean they're night, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, they're the fucking 11. Exactly. Yeah. They're a bottom uh, five team in the West right now. Man. So. And it's just right now. They have a couple games. 
not saying that the season is over for them, but it, it's it's looking bad. They're three and seven in their last ten. Um, I don't remember the record since they got Kyrie. I think it was like six and thirteen or something like that. I know it's not very good. Um, yeah, Yo, man. Kyrie, Kyrie's a savage, by the way. Uh, disrespecting the fans after going five for fifteen. Yeah. Like they boo you guys for getting cooked. You're part of you're probably the biggest reason y'all got cooked as the second best player. Mm-hmm. And the fan base the fans are entitled to boo you guys. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Ooh, Kyrie. They said it was boo, probably man. deserved. When Luca was there, they didn't boo. I don't remember them booing when it was just Luca and Brunson or Luca and Dinwiddie. They definitely never booed Brunson. Right. So, yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say about this. I mean, I know that we have to talk about it because it is a big deal, but it's like. But it's nothing new about the way they play. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's strange. Yeah. I don't understand. They played defense last year. Gone this year. Gone. Yeah. Like, gone. They're guys. I I used to think of, like, Hardaway Jr. wasn't just a three-point threat. Uh, no, he's a good scorer. He's a good defender. He's plays like hard. All their, guys, all their guys to me were, yeah, they shoot a lot because of they're kind of playing that way around Luka. But they're decent enough to attack if your closeouts suck. Mm-hmm. But now, now it's like Reggie Bullock gets run off the line. That means he has to shoot more contested shots. Mm-hmm. Like Josh uh, Green, what's his name? Josh Green. That's his name, right? Josh Green. Yeah, yeah. Bro, he used to be a. Sl- I used to praise him. Like, finally, you guys are putting a slasher out there. Mm-hmm. And now he's just in the fucking corner all day. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't, I really don't get the like him being a shooter. Him being a spot up shooter was never something I thought they were gonna start doing. And, I thought and he was always thinks, there to be a slasher. And like kid thinks he could fool us by occasionally letting him bring the ball up to give it to somebody else. Like that doesn't mean you're you're getting other guys involved. <laughs> That's what I hate about watching Dallas is there's no real effort to to make the team more diverse, to play through mm-hmm. people besides Luca and, and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And, and Kid is blasting them like, oh, the effort's unacceptable. Like, I mean, what do you expect from Kyrie Irving? And Luca. <laughs> Yeah, Luca's not much better. Luca goes. We praise Brunson all year for being an excellent leader, uh, being a high character guy. Obviously, yeah. you don't think Luca feeds off of that. I'm sure he did. Like you gotta like you you Luca's a young guy. You have to see who who you're putting around him. Right. You sacrifice your two most important players to get Kyrie who doesn't even celebrate when the team plays well. He doesn't. I mean, bro, I cannot believe 
after one of their games, when they actually were playing well, I was talking about how uh, hype their bench is. And we, I think we were joking about Theo being a hype bench guy all the time. Yeah. And you literally, as a joke, said, watch how quick Kyrie sucks the life out of this team. Yeah. And it happened like in a week and a half. Yeah, they he's, went from he's a celebrating pro. like big wins to to being a disaster in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sh- I'm honestly shocked at how much they've collapsed. Yeah, and the thing is, when it comes to the play style, it's um again it's like all right Kyrie gets all of the left side Luka gets all of the right side and sometimes they alternate but they're always on two different sides of the court they're trying to do like a Luka screen for Kyrie screen and roll thing now which is atrocious yeah. looking atrocious like it, it hasn't worked one single time that I've seen them try it. uh they you know they take really tough shots which makes it really hard to get back. So they've been giving up a lot of fast break points, easy ones. Um, it's just, you know, the shot distribution is all Losing basketball in every way. Losing basketball. The spacing is terrible. Uh, and, you know, the defense, I, I get it. Like, I wasn't expecting them to be a great defensive team because I figured that, Right now, they're just thinking about outscoring teams, which I think that with their roster, they can outscore teams. Yeah. But now it seems like they're actually more reliant on guys to be, like, having great shooting nights than they were before they got Kyrie. Exactly. Like, I'm seeing games where if Bullock doesn't shoot well, game's over. If um, if Josh Green doesn't hit those shots – Games over. If Clever so, goes over, they're like they're struggling to score for long stretches. Clever goes over, they're they're really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, they still haven't figured out Christian Wood. They just started playing Javale McGee when their inside defense has been like one of their biggest. Their uh, points in the paint has been their biggest issue. Opponents' and, points in the paint has been one of their biggest issues all season before Kyrie even got there. So I, this is where kid like I I think kid deserves a lot of blame because most of it right now is going to Luca and Kyrie and they obviously deserve a ton of it but the to your point Javale just now started playing like yeah. that's sick Yeah you had Dwight Powell out there getting cooked all year why Right And then and then the other guy uh, okay you want to commit to outscoring teams. You you have a rookie who's known to be an explosive scorer. Mm-hmm. Takes you eighty percent of the year to give him a real chance. And every time he plays, he looks great. Exactly. Every time he plays, yeah. Jaden Hardy, Hardy, we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I I just I don't understand why for a roster this limited that really wasn't that healthy all year with Luca missing time. Uh, obviously Hardaway Jr. is a lock to miss time. Yeah. You're not I giving this guy a chance? Your, your, your season has to collapse for these guys to get a chance? 
Yeah. That's that's insane really to me. It's insane. <clears throat> yeah. Uh it has he has some work to do uh this summer if he's gonna stay, which I think they Yeah. I think they mentioned like recently that they have no plans on uh firing kid, but I don't really know how you could watch the season and think that everything is like just gonna be okay. Dude, and and this to me is a telling moment. He they mm-hmm. lose to the Hornets. Mm-hmm. He blasts the team. I mean, like, for, for, he's an NBA head coach, and he described their effort as dog shit. That, and that was a quote. That word was quoted from him. Yep. And they do it again the next game. Yeah, maybe even worse. They get cooked by the same two guys the next game. Yeah. P.J. Washington and Gordon Hayward, for those of you who, who didn't know. Yep. They play just, fantastic, by the way. Yeah, P.J. Yeah, Washington, yeah. I, I like him a lot. Yeah. But, dude, yeah. I just, like, that to me is really concerning as a coach because you're, you're teetering on collapse – you're you're obviously trying to rile the team up like that was nowhere near good enough, and they don't mm-hmm. respond at all. Nope. And the only it's person tough. that I know is known for that is Kyrie Irving. I know you know you can't blame can't blame everything that happens in the game on one player. Obviously, we've played basketball before. We know that's just not how it works, but. When that one player is the most influential player on the team, when that one player is the player that you have for his championship experience or, or the player that you traded two really good pieces for and you're not really getting the return of, it, it holds more weight, yeah. right? We're not saying it's just any player that you blame in the game on. We're saying it's maybe the best player on the team, you know, best second yeah. best player on the team that, it's a different story. So you can sometimes blame a lot of stuff on those guys who are supposed to be the leader. And I'll say he's the best player on the team given his experience, right? I think obviously right now Luca is the better player in the NBA right now. But, you know, they both stopped today. Tyree might be higher in the all-time list. He's supposed yeah. to be the guy, the legend yeah, that is supposed to help everybody. So, which we – in the past, we know he's not a good leader. He's wasn't good he's being the been second exposed. guy. He's all, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. already if you're an avid NBA watcher, Kyrie Irving has been exposed. Exactly. So and this I don't is really like, see the problem with blaming it on him. Unfortunately. <laughs> this is where this is like the final basketball nail in the coffin. Because yeah. now now there's no like Oh, if the team works, we'll plug Kyrie. Like, we we looked at Brooklyn this way. We thought if you put the right players around just Kyrie and maybe Ben Simmons, you, you yeah. could have a good competitive. No, Kyrie is not a leader in any capacity. He doesn't elevate a single teammate. He's, he's, he's never elevated a soul on the court with him. He's never taken accountability for the team. any team struggles. And yet he's always crying about the fans. And he's the first one that says there's 13 guys on the team and you always want to blame me. Yes. <laughs> like, 
Yes. How entitled can you be to think like that? Yes. See, I and I've said this on the podcast before. And, you know, for our new listeners, I'll say it again. When you're the best player on the team, when you're the true leader of the team, it's never about what the rest of the team could have did. It's all, when a game, when you lose a game, when guys like Kobe or Jordan, um, LeBron, at times LeBron, LeBron's teetered on this, Bird, Magic, Kareem, these guys, when they lost games, they never said, man, if we could have shot better, if everyone else could have did this, if we could have scored in the paint. It's like, you know what? Maybe I should have scored more points. Yes. If Kobe lost with 45, he said – we lost by five. Well, I should have had 55. It has nothing to do with how Sasha Vujic played, how Brian played, how Al played. Nah, it's me. I'm the leader. I'm the best player on this team. I'm the guy who's the most unguardable player in the league. I should have scored more points. And let so- me and let me really highlight how selfish Kyrie is. Yeah. They they get swept last year. Even Kevin Durant, who we're not really personal fans of as far as his character right even kevin durant says you know what i should have like i should have played better i should have found a way to get my rhythm i should have been more like efficient with the moves i made like that's i gotta get back in the lab and figure it out yeah like versus what did Kyrie do on the flip side Oh, I can't wait to talk to the fucking ownership about what to like what to do with the organization in the future. And less than a year later, he demands to be traded, by the way. Yep. So like Kyrie operates in his own reality. We again that's been exposed. Yep. But now now the basketball impact has been exposed. Yes. And that's what I'm excited for. We're going into the offseason, and Kyrie's the one who has to prove to people that he still is a top guard. That's what you're excited for? Yes. Yeah, I feel you. It ain't going to be contenders lining up like, oh, Kyrie, please come here. No shot. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be somebody desperate or somebody that's not willing to pay him what he wants. Yeah. And, you know, in my opinion, at least in theory, in a utopian society, in a perfect world, we get the best version of Kyrie when that happens, right? That's At least I would think so. If I was Kyrie, that would be the time where I showed the best version of me. I went crazy when I went to that new team. Will we get that? Maybe, maybe not. No, this was the situation. But this would have been a good time, but he's not really the guy on this team still, you know? If he goes to one of those teams that you're talking about, a a real desperate team, like if you went to um, San Antonio, he would have no choice but to average 30 points a game or they'll still be the worst team in the league. I don't care. Dallas was a disappointment. Dallas was a a actual, like as far as what they were doing on the court, was a disappointment mm-hmm. this entire season. It was, absolutely. And yet, and yet Luca was smiling every game. Mm-hmm. But now, now Kyrie's there for what a month, um, two months. And now, you yeah. know, I'm not really I'm not finding the joy in the game like I used to. Really? Yeah. 
you're not playing that much worse or better than you were, you know, three months ago. No, and he acts like it's not. He acts like we're not supposed to read between the lines of that, bro. It's not slick. We know. Yeah, yeah we, we see it. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, suck the joy out of the out of the bench, out of the team, right away. So so fast. It's insane. Like a like a virus. Honestly. Yeah, it is like a virus. I just How watched the really... World War Z the other day for a movie reference. It like that. Yeah. <laughs> like it spreads that fast. World War Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I feel bad because Dallas it's just it's it's become such a disaster and like they're like a laughing stock now. Yeah, they are. Losing to Charlotte twice in a row is is a disaster. Is yeah, you're 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 just trash. Like no, we can't take you seriously until you do something in the play-in. If you even get there, I don't think they'll get to the play. It's it's but, looking very unlikely. Yeah, it's looking unlikely, but it is possible. But yeah, even if they do, again, it's one of those things they do. I don't, I don't really care because they'll probably get swept in the first round if they make it through the play and if they win the play. One, one thousand percent. So, um, interesting season, interesting crossroads this offseason for that team, for Kyrie, for Jason Kidd, for the whole Luke, for Luca, really. very much for Luca also. Yeah, especially, especially since. Dallas has been the team that has been all over the place with who they were going to add with Luka. And let me ask you this, since we're on this, do you think Luka is someone that's easy to add another player to? No. Not another star player. Mm -hmm. But that's, again, like, that's why I've been praising Jalen Brunson as much as I have this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Brunson, in a year ago, if you asked, can can Jalen Brunson thrive playing with Luca and then uh, with Julius Randle, I would say probably mm-hmm. not. Not with both, right? And he's he made both better. Yeah. So yeah. both are playing like the best of their best of their careers with him. Exactly. So it's I I, I do think it's difficult with Luca. Mm-hmm. But I, Kyrie was a lose-lose option to begin with. Yeah, I would never assume you need Luca needs another guard. Neither. I mean, we, we talked about this with LeBron and AD, like when when that was first forming. Like, mm-hmm. like how easy is this? Obviously, LeBron would be unstoppable with a great big man. Yeah. And yeah, we're trying to like the free agency is trying to pick up guards or trying to get like. Westbrook or DeRozan or Buddy Heald, like, bro, you you won a championship because your front court was the best in the league. Yep. And Dallas got. And I, I, and I don't really understand why. I mean, I don't know why I'm the only one that sees that LeBron and guards has never mixed. I mean, and Kyrie is a different kind of guard because he's you know Kyrie's really a two guard that brings the ball up court sometimes, but. LeBron and other guards have never been really good, and ball dominant guys like DeRozan. Just I just don't even 
imagine that working. Yeah. If LeBron can't get an assist to you, then you shouldn't be on the court with him because that's his game. I'm the, like Luca's the same way. He is. Yeah. Yeah. And that to is. me, I never, I never watched Dallas and thought like, oh, they need to take the ball out of Luca's hands more. No, they just it, it can't just be high pick and rolls. Right. I mean, bro, the other game, they I don't remember which game this was, but they tried posting Luca up and it got so, like way better shots, way better movement. They got cuts, yeah. they got a lob. And then and yeah, then I saw like that too. and then critical mm-hmm. possessions, Kyrie ISO, Luca ISO. Like yep. top of the key. What the fuck? So I, thing. yeah, yeah, man. It, like, and again, back in the day, we criticized Harden for just spamming pick and rolls, but Capella is a legitimate inside threat. Everybody Houston gave Harden was a legitimate inside threat that could give you twenty to thirty if you're not closing or if you're not guarding them. Yeah, yeah. If if you don't guard Dwight Powell for a game, what does he give you? Fifteen, maybe. Maybe Dwight Powell has to spend Dwight Powell has to spend the first six minutes of every game warming up his hands to catch the ball. (laughs) Tell me I'm lying. How many fucking games does Luca throw him highlight passes that he can't fucking catch? A lot. Most games. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I watched Atlanta and they got their problems, but Capella (laughs) never fucking misses an assist. Nope. And he always finishes. Exactly. Like, yeah. bro, get, get Luca a fucking big man who makes layups and catches the ball. Yeah. Honestly, last year, that's really all they were missing. Yeah, and they worked on, like, everything but that. But that. But that. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood is a big man who gives them everything but what they need. Yeah, and a lot of the other stuff, like a lot of other things, other yeah, than what they need. He, he thinks he's fucking Anthony Davis off the bench. He does. Like, yes, that's stop. how he acts. Please. I mean, and he even takes like more uh, ill-advised shots than Anthony Davis does. You know, which is again like, tougher Dallas. Shots. There's so many things wrong in Dallas, and they were wrong before Kyrie got there. But now mm-hmm. they've become like essential aspects of the team. Yeah. So I, I don't know what they do, but like you said, they, they got a tough offseason ahead. They do. It's gonna be um it's gonna be interesting. Um I think they have a whole new look here next season. Um Oh, the other thing I was going to say is this is a tougher offseason because I remember in the past they were talking Bradley Beal. They were talking – I think they even talked to Chris Middleton at one point. Um, other, like, really top-tier wings to add with Luka. And um, obviously they went in this direction. So um, I, was surprised, I was surprised that they made this move because they had other moves that they were talking about making in the future and just never did them. They like, they probably will never happen now unless they sign somebody, you know? Yeah. 
no one's going to take Kyrie in a trade, and they may not even keep Kyrie in the offseason, after this offseason. So it's going to be tough. I, I wonder if they've ruined their chances to get that second star in the future. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I just wonder if they could have made this move without trading Finney Smith. Um, they would have lost. They would have lost somebody good. They would have lost Hardaway. You know, um, I, I Hardaway Junior. I I traded instead, honestly. Yeah, it, they're about the same to me. I just uh, I was surprised team, that, like. It made Bullock seem like he was untouchable, but you know what else? Uh, because their defense has been bad again all year. Mm-hmm. But one basketball reason that they're so just like embarrassing is they mm-hmm. get slaughtered on the boards now. Yeah, they do. And it's not an they accident do. that Finney Smith was a routine ten plus rebound guy. Yeah, he was. He he. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't strange for him to get ten plus rebounds. Especially offense, he was a big offensive rebound guy. Mm-hmm. And now Luca never gets a second chance, <laughs> right? So they're just yeah. they're they're down bad. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Mavericks. We'll see, we'll see what happens with the rest of the season. Yeah, man, I, um, it's tough. Tough having to write off uh, certain play-in teams that I was excited about, like. Less than a month ago. Yeah. This team's not even fun to watch anymore. No. That's the really the worst part. They can't close out games. Every game is either they don't know who's taking oh, it. If Luca takes it, he's been bad. Cooking. Like bad clutch teams can close games, but Dallas with this firepower can't. Right. Can't even get shots off in the clutch. It's it's just horrible. The Phoenix one was really bad. I almost kind of, I almost. That was without Aiden, right? One. Wasn't that without Aiden? Or he did uh, play? I think Aiden did play. Okay. I can't remember if Aiden was in that game. But, I mean, he had the, he had the easy turnaround layup on Chris Paul and blew it. Just straight up blew it. Which, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. Yeah, when that Booker was. Him and D book yeah. at the end got into it, yeah. Yeah, that one I was I was shocked that they lost that game because that was that was a game they easily could have won. Yeah, and they were in it the whole time. It was a good game. Um, yeah, so you know, it is what it is. Moving on, on um, I want to talk about you want to talk about the Warriors first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Warriors, they're hanging in there. Yes. They're hanging in there without Wiggins. Still no word from Wiggins. I would like to hear a word, but it is what it is. Whatever he's dealing with, I'm sure it's important to miss this many games. Um, I like how supportive the team is about it, too. Yeah, they've been very on the same page. Yeah, they haven't gotten a lot of credit for that. I feel like in another situation... Most teams wouldn't be nearly as supportive uh, as the Warriors are, which, you know, it's not a surprise. Warriors are, are a supportive team, a team that every player would want to play for. But um, I think it's good that they're sticking with them to whatever's going on. 
Uh, how do you feel about them? Without Wiggins, man, they're not that fucking good. Like, they're competitive, and you know, obviously, they're they've they could go toe to toe with anybody. Yeah, but they, there's just so many things working against them that mm-hmm. I, I really I can't visualize them beating Memphis four times without Wiggins. That's the thing. Wiggins is such a such an important defender. Such an important threat for them. Um, their most versatile player. Uh, not having him is really, really, really tough. Especially against those young teams. Because the yeah. young teams are like the most versatile teams. Like like the Grizzlies, like um, Sacramento. We're like, it feels like Sacramento has a point guard and a power forward and like every everybody else's position is just up for interpretation. Man, um, Warriors, you know, not having Wiggins definitely hurts. He's the, really the only one that can go two, three, four anytime. And Wiggins, and I guess I didn't really notice this last year going through their playoff run, mm-hmm. but of their, you know, let's say uh, – their, their four best players without Wiggins are obviously Steph, Clay, Poole, and Draymond. Yes. All four of them are turnover prone. Very much so. That's that's one thing about even Wiggins at kind of his worst in, in Minnesota was just a volume shooter. Ne- mm-hmm. Never really a turnover guy. In a team like right. the Warriors, like, that is so crucial for them. It is. Because you see it, they're one second they're as explosive as any team in the league easily, with with mm-hmm. three splash bros and bums essentially. Mm-hmm. And then another second, I mean, their their turnovers are worse than Boston. You know, they're worse yeah. than like even some of the stuff Miami does. Right, and it's just it's so demoralizing because. Some of those other teams, like they, they can't really help themselves to me. Mm-hmm. With Golden State, it's purely self-inflicted. It is. It is. I agree. Yeah, and that, that's really dangerous come playoffs as well without Wiggins, like you said. And I can't um, trust them in close games. Yeah, he he was a good ball stopping threat too, because. Usually when he got it, he just went to score. He, yes. I mean, he could find guys. He hit guys. They don't really have someone that can just go score right now. Everybody on the team has, you know, being turnover prone. Everybody has the uh, responsibility to distribute the ball as well as score right now. And that's yeah, that's going to lead to. And, and I think. Turnovers. I think teams are going to trap like heavy in the playoffs. And and Draymond is gonna have to be either have big stat games, or or they're gonna lose. Yeah, because yeah. like it, it's more and more, it, it, they're getting more and more limited with guys tr- like forcing the ball movement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to me, the supporting cast is just not good. En- like it's not good enough to carry you when Steph isn't shooting well or when Poole isn't shooting well. Or two of their guys aren't shooting well. It's over for them. Right. I agree. 
again, they're so good. The Splash Bros could just get 90 by themselves and call it a day. Kuminga got his five like breakaway layups. So that's a hundred and something points. You win. <laughs> yeah, DiVincenzo hits a three or two in there. He, uh, again, but- addition by subtraction. Wiggins comes back. DiVincenzo's minutes fucking drop. Yes, I need. I need it, and I'm, right now I can forgive it because you, there's nobody else. Steve, I get it. But his minutes got to go down if we're making a deep playoff run. They just have to. Yeah. 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 And, you know, even Wiggins had his moments of inconsistency last year. But the level of inconsistency the team has now is just really scary. Yeah. I mean, no one on the team is consistent other than Poole and Steph right now. Yeah. Not even Clay. And that's why, I mean, we we talked about the, the stat disparity and how there really isn't one uh, between home and away games. Like, it's just mm-hmm. them being all around inconsistent. Mm-hmm. They could be explosive and lose. They could be explosive and win. They could play good defense and win. They could play good defense and lose. Like, they could do anything and anything could happen. Yep. And, and, like, I haven't looked at them in the past like that. I've always had some level of faith in them. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I can't so, have that till till Wiggins gets back. Right. Um. Yeah i I hope they keep it. I hope they keep it going. I hope Wiggins does come back before the playoffs. Or you know, I feel like if he was coming back this week, they would have said because he has to work with the trainer to make sure he's even ready to play. You know, the amount of games, but. I mean the amount of minutes, so it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for them. Tough for the Warriors to repeat with this situation. Hopefully it works out, but yeah. They gotta uh, get out of that plan. Yeah. They That's got the they thing. they cannot risk playing the like the Lakers in the first game. Like all the playing teams can beat the yeah. Warriors in one game. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what really makes hated, the playing scary. I hated the Warriors and Lakers playing game. Uh, the first play in year. Yeah, because uh, because the Lakers kind of looked solid, and then Phoenix just spanked them, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they fell apart. Oh yeah, yeah. everyone hey, got hurt. Yeah, that's no right. He got he like came. What's his name? AD came back, even though he wasn't healthy. I remember yeah. that. Yep, and like I think like. The first three games, LeBron and AD like didn't finish any of them. Like they would get hurt, had to get out, had to yeah. come out, whatever. So that's right. That was the curse series when LeBron spins, talks an OD level of shit, and then mm-hmm. Phoenix just go, goes off after that for the rest of the series. Yep. Yep. Because that's exactly it. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But that was I, that uh, playing game between the Warriors and Lakers, by the way. Yeah. Even, even game. And what was the difference? Warrior turnovers. Yep. I mean, throughout their, their last seven years, they've they've lost exclusively because of their own turnovers. Yeah. And that game really came down to the wire. Uh like really down to like the last last few minutes of the game, I remember too. 
Yeah. So the turnovers got him. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about – so let's talk a little bit more about the playing for both sides. First, the Timberwolves in the West. Cat just came back. Yes. I think he's played two games. They look really good. They look really good with him back. I mean, I, I lost last night, but I really like how they look so far. How, how do you feel about them? Um, what's what's impressive to me is their depth is is like stepping up. It is, yeah. Like they're winning games. It. Yeah, but they're mm-hmm. winning games. I mean, they look a lot better since deloading left. I got to be honest. Uh but <laughs> again, like. The the shot distribution for them is is a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah, the the overall like team chemistry is just so much better than it was to start the year. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, they're clicking at the perfect time. You know, I I think Conley t- has taken so much pressure off of the guard spot. Like I think you know D'Angelo Russell had a lot of. Uh, Pressure just still also be a scorer. And Conley doesn't feel that pressure at all. I mean, I think he just knows he just has to be a threat and be able to move the ball, get to some spots, draw some defense, and he does that so well. He's He looks great for them. Yeah. And they even got Kyle Anderson handling the ball more than other teams have in the past, which has always really been his thing. But he looks really good doing that. Um, Nas Reed, man. If if the NBA had an all bench team like I've suggested on numerous occasions, Nas Reed would be the starter first team all bench. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. Easily for sure. Yeah, he I mean he, he's great for him. I, I wish there was a, an award he could get for being so great off the bench, but it just isn't. Uh, and it really isn't a place for him to start. Not on this team at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, it's. He's tough. He's playing, but great. their their depth looks good. I mean, they're gonna they're automatically dangerous because of their size. In this last Phoenix game, the only players in double digits were the bigs. Like I mean, that, other than uh, other than Anthony Edwards, of course, but everyone yeah. else was just reading that. And I think um, Gobert had a decent game, but yeah, that to me is a scare for for other teams. It is. Because I, I think so much of these Western games are going to be about matchups. And for Minnesota to get healthy, uh, again, right when the playoffs start, the perfect time. Yeah. Like, to me, I didn't need Cat back for a really long time. I just needed him back before the playoffs. Yeah. And that's exactly what they got. I, I think they're in a great spot, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, I'm excited to see Edwards – in the playoffs oh, yeah. again, uh, well, play-in at least. Um, and I, I think this is a good bounce-back year for Cap. He dealt with the injury. He's back. You know, um, he had a really rough time in COVID, you know, with his family. He's back from that. I think he has a lot to show with the meltdowns he's had in the past. Um, well, it's going to be a uh, – I, I think they're – I'm pretty confident they're going to get out of the play-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're significantly better um, 
at least roster wise, they're better than the other teams to me. Mm-hmm. Other than like Golden State at, at full strength, I guess. But yeah, Pelicans may be at full strength, but they're never at yeah, full strength. So. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I'd take them over Lakers, over OKC, over Utah, you know, maybe yeah. Dallas, maybe Portland. Like, I'd take them over all those teams. Me too. Me too. Me too. Uh, and I they think their, their, best? their problem is going to be the same when they get to the playoffs. What? That? They they don't have a clear-cut leader. Yeah. And it has and, to and, be Cat at this point, I think. And, like, uh, the locker room stuff, that could kind of be split. You know, I, I don't need a definitive guy to be, the like, the post-game speech guy or, or the media yeah. guy. It's yeah, – I need to need know – I need to know who's getting more shots. Yeah, and you don't need a parent. Like, right. I think the that thinks that the leadership is like being the dad no. of the team. No, that's not it. I mean, no. I, I'm not saying he thinks that, but I think in the past he's shown he's tried to show his show his leadership that way, and that's not it. You know, it, like you said, it's who is the guy on the team? Who's the face yes. of this team? Who's going to get the most points every night? Who can you count on on this team? And has yeah. you know at this point, I think Anthony Edwards is a great scorer, but he's not a um, he's more explosive than he is like a uh, eternal flame. I guess you know what I'm saying. Yes, like he'll and- explode for for thirty, thirty five, forty, but he's not going to average thirty, thirty five, forty. Yeah, uh, and I don't like. They're kind of turning him into Jason Tatum. Like, explain what you mean. Very perimeter oriented, even though if he gets inside, he's clearly like Tatum is not a fucking dunker like like, Mm -hmm. uh, Edwards. But both of these guys, when they're getting inside, when they're finishing over smaller guys, like you could, you would be unstoppable doing this all the time. Yeah. And and a lot yeah. of it is for both guys. It's team issues that lead to them just being so perimeter oriented. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me. Okay, maybe let's say he is your best player, and you kind of definitively acknowledge that. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything to me if he's taking jumpers the whole first round, right? You know, and Cat. I mean, even if you're not the leader, I still can't have you fouling out. Right. So yeah. I just I, I'm their leadership on the court is is what I'm really looking for. And I haven't seen enough of it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm excited for their potential. Yeah, me too. And, you know, they're, they're going to get more mature as time goes on. Um, they're still a really young team. You know, I, I forget. Sometimes I forget how. Like how Anderson isn't is still like in his prime seems like he's been around for a really long time he's yeah. only 29 <laughs> yeah he's been does feel like he's played forever what year did he get drafted like 11 12 14 14 i swear it, it's he's been in the league more than a decade because he's played he played with levine and like Shabazz muhammad him and Shabazz Muhammad went, I think, to, to college at the same time, but Kyle stayed mm-hmm. an extra year. Yeah. But, you know, Shabazz Muhammad's been in the league and went, 
Like other guys from his team can't even win, but he's he's just been here. And he's Since he's Teddy. been such a weird player too. Like there's really nobody else in the league that plays like him. No, it really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Only twenty nine is crazy. <laughs> I like really thought he's in his thirties. I looked at it the <laughs> other day and I'm like, man, still their whole starting five is young. He got drafted yeah. at like twenty, that means. Yeah. Man, it feels like it's been longer. Yeah. Um you know, Gobert just turned 30, and Conley, I mean, he's in his 30s, I'm sure. Yeah, he's 35. So, Conley's like the oldest guy on the roster. Yeah. So And they and I think his, his veteran leadership has helped. Big time. Big time. And um, let's see, I forgot they had Austin Rivers. He's 30. So, after Conley, the oldest player is 30. So, they're still a really young team. And I'm sure they'll Conley. get eventually they'll get. Conley, and Conley really time. is a great vet because, like, Conley is the kind of guy who keeps it composure even when things aren't going well. Yeah, he does. And, and that's one thing they didn't have last year from really any of the guys that were playing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Always. Conley is a guy, like, you got to love Conley. Like, how do you not like Con? No, he's one of those guys. Eh, he's he's less ambidextrous than he tries to make people think. But, yeah, I like him, too. I mean, as a guy, as a good guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For, a it, I, the same way with uh, Drew Holiday. Like, they're just yeah, like just the great dude. epitome of great character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, uh, he's had a good career, too. He'll be a good. Uh, good pro forever, like mm-hmm. to remember. Um. Okay, moving from Minnesota. Uh, who's next? Who are we talking about next? We can touch on the Lakers. They're playing uh pretty solid at five hundred as we speak, I believe. Yes, five hundred. They are six and four in their last ten. So. Yeah, um, uh, but they had a couple of big wins without LeBron. Um. Yeah, they're yeah, really big ones. It's funny for them. It's more so they're not like collapsing like other teams. Mm-hmm. And normally it's like, well, you shouldn't. But based on what we saw from them last year, mm-hmm. like I'm impressed that after losing to Chicago, you beat them. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, last year that this would have this second Chicago game would have been yeah. Up 25 in the third, historic comeback led by fucking somebody random, I'm sure. Not even the the Vucevic or, or DeRozan or Levine. Fucking the sun move gets 25. Yeah, that that is usually how the Lakers lose. <clears throat> yeah, but it's, it's because they don't guard a guy who can get like a Kobe White and he just goes crazy. But mm-hmm. uh, to me, the Lakers are like, they look desperate. Which is good, right? which is great. I think I think it makes them yeah. scary. Yeah, I agree. Because it shows that they have a playoff gear. I think their role mm-hmm. players are clicking way better than I thought they would, and not just mm-hmm. the new guys. I think Austin Reeves is clicking way better than I thought. I agree. I mean, Jared he Vanderbilt is a new guy, and he's been great. 
Yeah. I think um, Reeves might be playing the best of his tenure so far. Oh, right? yeah. But like right easily. now, just like the last few games. Yeah. Easily. I mean, he looks like a borderline starter often. Mm-hmm. At least as far as when they allow him to make plays, he has like good point guard instincts. Good, uh, sees the floor well. Yeah. And and similar to the Timberwolves, the Lakers are getting healthy. Yeah, finally. So yeah. Uh, they're a team I, I would not want to see them first round. With LeBron back. They're feeling good. With AD, I mean, AD has been inside out. Like, yeah. no mistake. I mean, credit to Darwin Ham because a lot of the, the promises we thought were BS uh, mm-hmm. coming into the year, like, you see the emphasis. Yeah, you do. You do. You, like, they, they've tried to play defense all year, and they're now one of the best defensive teams in the league. How much stock do you put into LeBron being out? Do you think that helped them at all? Like, just to say, like, hey – you know, LeBron can't help us. It's just us right now. You think that? Oh, yeah. Motivated them? I think so, too. Yeah, it's similar to, you know, what the Grizzlies did last year without Morant. It kind of mm-hmm. legitimized, it legitimizes the roster. Like, we're not just going in the playoffs with LeBron, ADD. Like, how far can you take us? Like, yeah. now LeBron and AD could be part of the team and they beat teams. So they it, they did uh, Memphis did that this year, you know. Yeah, with um, Rant's issues this year, but and I really like when you put D loading out there to kind of just be a pick and roll threat, mm-hmm. and you give him, I mean, one of the premier pick and roll weapons in Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean, he looks one great. Of the premier pick and roll weapons ever. Right, Anthony he Davis. looks great. Yeah. Like having Malik Beasley and Schroeder and having the flexibility of like the option of if Beasley's hot, we'll leave him out there longer. If Schroeder's making good decisions, he could play more like that's legitimate playoff depth. This you have legitimate size, you have legitimate size with Rui, with uh, Gabriel playing a lot smarter. Again, Vanderbilt's a legit 6'10. Yeah, yeah. Lakers got all the tools to to be a great team right now. They absolutely do, absolutely do. And it's just really, I mean, as long as LeBron and AD just do their thing, it seems like the rest of the guys are really holding it down. I and, um, I can't really picture a team beating them like that in in one game. Four times, if you know, if the role oh, players are involved. Yeah. And LeBron and AD yeah. are doing their thing. Yeah. There's no way to me the Lakers lose. Now, if they slip to 9-10 and 10 and have to play that first game for life, yeah, that's that's a little scary because you don't get an extra. But to me, if they get two chances, if they're 7-8, and eight, even if they lose that first one, I think they're a lock to, to make the playoffs. I would love a Lakers and Memphis Grizzlies first round. I would love it. Yeah. That'd be that'd be. I'd love it. I've been Nugget in Lakers first round, but the Grizzlies, Leonard Jackson and AD might be my favorite matchup in the league right now. Like as of this year, I love watching them play against each other. Um, 
that would be really, really fun. I, uh, it is going to be interesting for them because, to your point, I would hate to play them and I would hate to have to play them in the first round. The Lakers. Yeah, man. Yeah, because if even if you beat the Lakers, they're mm-hmm. making you work for it. They are. Like the, the pride they've too. shown this year, man, it is again, I begged for it all last year. Yep. And it's finally it took a while. Uh, but but I, I gotta admit, I, I give Darwin Ham a lot of credit because this team's mindset has significantly changed. Yeah, they have. They have. They definitely have. And, you know, give. Still says the corniest shit in post, like, <laughs> in between games. You got to give them the front office credit for getting Westbrook out of there. Oh, too. bro, their trade deadline, like, week. Mm-hmm. Elite. It was the best. The best of the league this year, for sure. Elite. Yeah. A, yeah. a slam dunk, dude. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't have anything to say about the Pelicans or the Dunder. Do you right now? No. I'm happy OKC's, like, staying in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but barely. And they're just – they're so inexperienced. I don't really – I'm happy for them either way. Yeah, they're getting some really big wins. Um, playing really hard. I, I mean um, – and these are like the, playing in these games. You really get a great chance to look at your young guys. You do. I was going to say Jalen Williams looks absolutely yes. stellar yes. for them. I mean, they're talking about him being rookie of the year, like making a rookie of the year push. So, yeah. which is cool. Um, yeah. So shout out to him. He looks great. And like you said, they get a good good look at their young guys. A good look at their or whatever that may be. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I didn't think uh, Giddy would be like a top two or three player for them. Yeah, and he looks like I got no problem with them committing to him being like a key starter for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like his all around game. Another similar to Reeves, he just like sees the floor well, makes good decisions all the time. Hmm. Uh, and and that's that's always going to fit a team. Yeah, yeah, especially a team with so many. Um, they're going to have a lot of weapons and a lot of threats, and him being that second ball handler is going to be really big for them. Really yeah. big. I think of every team wishes will wish they had a glass kitty. It's crazy because so. SGA is such a mismatch. Like he he'll probably never be a high assist guy. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever be mad at him for that. Yeah. It's, just, it's so easy to, for him to get good shots. Like, why why would you swing it if you can get a good look? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not even really sure why he's still listed at point guard for them. Yeah. I mean, it's been Giddy. Giddy's really been playing the point for them. He's the one who runs the pick of the and He starts the plays a lot. But actually, not just to give it to somebody. He actually initiates what they do. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, let's move to the East. Um, The Celtics and 76ers are still battling for that um, second spot. Milwaukee has pulled away a little bit again, right? Milwaukee has pulled away a little bit, but 
Broxton can still get it if Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you know, loses like every game, all the rest of their games. Um, Philly is only two games behind Boston. So if Boston loses and they play tonight as we're recording, um, we're recording on Thursday, play tonight. So tonight is a really pivotal game because one of them will move down, one of them will move up from it. Anybody, everybody's playing, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Aware. I think Embiid sat out last night so he could play in this one. So I understand because this this one is more important for their side. So a hundred percent. And I mean, it, it will be a big test tonight, or a good chance to see how they match up, uh, how maybe they would look in a series. Yep. I mean, I'm 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 ready for the playoffs with, when it comes to Boston. <laughs> We've talked about them countless times this year. They've kind of cleaned up the the really gross play that we talked about last week. Uh, yeah. They're a little more committed defensively. I mean, they seem a little more committed to at least keeping the second seed, which is nice. Yeah, they didn't look great against the Wizards, but yeah, no, no, they they mailed that one in. But again, I'm ready for the playoffs with Boston. I think they're going to turn it on. I, I think they're going to sweep somebody who's going to earn a hard fought uh, playoff spot. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I, I'm sorry, it's Tuesday that Philly plays Boston. Tuesday. Oh, like next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, play okay. Milwaukee tonight. Boston and Milwaukee tonight. They mm. play Philly next week. So, Boston has a rough, a rough, uh, Last few games, they do. That, that's why I think they're going to mail it in even more, honestly. Yeah, you think Philly would get the second spot? I don't think Boston really cares. I don't trust Philly to take it, but if they have a chance, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that Boston, Tuesday game is going to give us – like if Boston gets cooked in that game, they're they're mm-hmm. chilling until the playoffs. Yeah, because then they have Toronto twice, and then they have Atlanta. Toronto and Atlanta will probably still be playing pretty hard. All they'll, the way probably, the season. they'll probably uh, try a couple, one or maybe both of those just against those teams because they could face them in round one. Yeah, they'll probably see what they got. Yeah. yeah. Utah, they play Utah as well. So it's Milwaukee, Utah, Philly, two Toronto games, and then Atlanta. So Damn, you're probably playing all the one of the Toronto teams. games. Yeah. You're playing straight desperate teams. Like they're all gonna be clawing for a spot <laughs> or clawing to climb. That's what and is Milwaukee, kinda cool about the playing. It does make Milwaukee people play. just plays hard too like all the time, so that's never a free win. Yeah. That that's what makes the playing kind of cool, is that it does make teams play hard all the way to the end of the season. Yeah. Because there's always a chance. Even if it's an outside chance. If they win tonight, though, I'm curious if they make a push for the one seed. They could, yeah. That that could separate the one seed as well. Yeah, to me, like to me, Boston, when when I mean mail it in, it's it's really resting guys. Mm -hmm. And with Boston, we know they could sit Rob Williams. We know they could sit one of the, the wing goats. I mean, mm-hmm. any of their guards individually could sit. Maybe not multiple guards. Yeah, uh, and they got plenty of 
like Blake can Blake will probably go off one of these last games if if people are out. Yeah, he might. I like Hauser more and more when I watch him. I'm not saying he's good, but I like he fits the team well. He gives them like a different player than they put out there off the bench. Yeah. Uh, So I think Boston's fine either way. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, You know, Pritchard usually has good games in games like this. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I do think they'll be fine. Um, regardless, even if they do sit guys, any of those games. So, yeah. Um, but it is, I think it is interesting that it is getting, that it's even that close in the East. Um, that the top three seeds, I mean, even hypothetically, I believe there's one, two, three, four, five. Hypothetically, Philly could still get the one spot. Yeah. And I, and I think for Philly, I would push as, to climb as much as I can. Me too. Because yeah, if if I'm playing Boston in Philly, like if I'm in beat, oh, I'm I'm de- just demolishing them. Yeah. Like same thing. If I'm playing Giannis in my building in Game Seven, oh, like no chance. Yeah. So I agree. the other two teams, they're too experienced. They're too ready. Too good. Mm-hmm. Philly, I, I think Philly ceiling could be higher, but they need like all the momentum they possibly can get. Yeah, and, and the, the difference is, I think Philly knows themselves the least out of the, the three least. of those teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we know why that is. Right. Yeah, we know. That's what's going to uh, in this series at some point, but. Right. Right. Milwaukee knows themselves well. It's for them, it's just about how much of the role guys they get because they know what Giannis is going to bring. They know what Drew is going to bring every single night. Everybody else, as long as you just play yes. good, just play okay, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Boston knows what they are. They know their rotations. They know all that stuff. Boston's issue usually comes down to who didn't play enough every night. Like, man, Grant Williams could have played 10 more minutes last night. Like, uh, that's that's been deter- the determining some of their games lately. It's like, oh, yeah. well, maybe um, we didn't play Rob Williams enough. Like, so that's a good problem to have in the regular season. Uh, in the playoffs, you got to figure it out, and it helps to be self-aware. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, um, to the playing teams, we have right now is looking like. Miami and Brooklyn are still back and forth. Uh, then we have Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago. Washington still has a chance. Indiana has an outside chance. Orlando has a really outside chance. I don't think Chicago loses like all the rest of the games for Orlando to get it, but uh, anything is possible. So Atlanta hasn't won or lost like three or four straight games in like two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Five and five in the last 10, 24 and 23 in the conference. Yeah, they're, they're, they're they've been insanely 500. 500. Like, similar to how the Warriors have been ridiculous with home and away, Atlanta has been insane. Like, when they lose, they win. When they win, they lose. I mean, I sent you the, mm-hmm. the last several games stat. I mean, it's really bizarre. 
Yeah. It is really bizarre. Um, they play slightly better at home. Just slightly. They're six games. So uh, they still would probably rather be home. But I, I think if, yeah. if the Hawks could find a way to not play Miami in the play-in, they'll be in the playoffs. I agree. I think they're significantly better than Toronto. I think they're slightly better, enough better that they could beat Chicago. I I trust them to beat Chicago in a single game. Mm -hmm. But Miami, they're not better than Miami, and they don't match up well with Miami. And Mm -hmm. they don't have an answer for Miami's unstoppable weapon when he chooses to be one. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just that's really their their biggest thing for me. Um Chicago if Chicago gets to that eighth seed though, I think they're gonna be tough at home. If they like in the second game, if they lose to Miami and they play the second game at home, they're gonna be tough regardless. Oh, yeah. Uh so Chicago is a team that I wouldn't want to play. Yeah, I mean it's tough. He, Atlanta should want to play Toronto, but they well, have a hard time against Chicago as well. This is it's, it's weird. just a tough plan. Oh yeah, I I could go any way, but the the scary thing is out for the other teams. I would say is Toronto's been the most like in playoff mode. Mm-hmm. Uh so Toronto's one of those teams like Van Fleet could walk in and, and not miss for the first half. And then, you know, you're at halftime down 18 and you don't even know how. Right. Uh, so they're they're also dangerous and they're also a much more, you know, explosive defensive team. So, you know, th- I've kind of credited Atlanta, but they come out sloppy all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and Toronto feasts on teams that play sloppy. They do. They absolutely do. And honestly, I, I can make a case Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, their biggest strength is how or their biggest weakness is how sloppy they get. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So so Toronto from a team perspective is built to beat them. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't I don't trust the the firepower. I also I'm not sure if Trent is hurt or was just resting a game. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. I, I was concerned about that last game they had. Uh, but one one issue with Toronto is their top like six, seven guys cannot miss games. Yeah, they can. Like Van, if Van Fleet's gone, they're they're trash. If Pirtle is not there, they're trash. If Siakam yeah. or any of or, or OG or Scotty Barnes or Trent. If any of those guys aren't out there, they're they're getting sent home. Yeah. They say he's questionable with the elbow injury. So hmm. okay, so at least he's not like definitively out. So he'll probably be back, you know, worst case as the plan starts. Yeah, they probably got him right now as like use if you really need him in the bank. Yeah. You know? They're just they they're so dependent on their like six best players. They are. They definitely are. Which is not a good sign 
for for single elimination tournaments or a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, who else were we talking about? Atlanta, Miami, Chicago. I mean, is there anything to say about Miami that's that hasn't already been said? Not for me. I mean, Jimmy, you can go ahead and show the league that you're maybe the best fucking player in the league, maybe. <laughs> but you know, I'm dreaming yeah. at that point. He's not going to. I don't know why he just decided that like he's cool on that. They they lost three in a row. Um, and I would say that lately they look the worst out of these four teams for me. No, they is played a good point. in the season, but in the last ten games or so for me that I've seen, they look the worst out of these. Atlanta has been winning big games, they've been kicking it up, they beat Cleveland the other night really well. I mean playing really well. Toronto, like you said, they've been playing well three wins in a row. Guys look like they're getting healthy. Chicago's been playing really good as well. They lost the last two, but the games they have won out of their last ten. They're six and four in the last ten. The games they won, they looked really good winning. Patrick Beverly's helped them a lot. They they figured out their uh, like didn't Pat Bev really help their rotation? Because now Patrick Williams yeah. isn't starting as much, isn't playing as much. Vucevic um, is getting actually, a little bit more layups, more. which is always nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the floor is spread a little more. So, yeah, um, it's going to be a good play. Definitely. All right. Uh, anything else you got? I don't think there's anything else really happening in the league. Uh, the, did you see the, the retirement or the Hall of Fame class? I did, but before we before we say that, Atlanta, Quinn Snyder has to be like one of the um, one coaching hire that people really don't care about. That like the least cared about hire I've seen in a long time. Like he got the job, and like no one has mentioned anything about it since he got it. Oh man, but, nobody's gonna. They're gonna lose the same way Utah used to lose, and nobody's gonna notice too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No one's, no one's going to notice. He's getting lucky there because oh, lately man. all the other ones where the last few coaching hires have been big deals where they're wondering how they're going to do stuff. They're talking about their strategy. And Prince Hattrick is hiring like no one says a word. Like, oh, cool. They got a new coach. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, he's all right. You know, again, I just, they don't really look any different to me. So far, so far they have not. Um, I'm just curious if uh, in the playoffs he does anything differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing is Drummond has been Hmm. missing games due to uh, mental health reasons. Um, Wondering how that's going to be coming into the playoffs. I didn't see that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Said he's deleting all his social media. He, He missed... I don't remember which game he missed, but said he's going to be. I out really, for... that's that's like a that's standard advice for for a better state of mind. I would I would say deleting social media, especially for celebrities, man, because yeah, they be yeah, killing them on there, man. You can't, you really can't do anything 
no matter how positive it is, you're gonna get killed as a celebrity no. on on Twitter, uh, mainly on Twitter. Instagram is mostly positive. I feel like that's why people don't like Instagram anymore because it's positive. But <laughs> but that's why Twitter, like, you're gonna it, get dogs. Yeah, Twitter is just is insane. I don't even yeah. bother. I literally, I've been, I've had an account or currently have an account on every like social media, mainstream social media, except Twitter. Yeah, tw- Twitter is the one I use the least. Twitter, like Twitter just makes you miserable. I feel like. <laughs> I could not be, I couldn't imagine being trending on Twitter. I can't imagine. <laughs> oh no. That, to your point, man, these guys are just, uh, they're too famous to, to have all these random people online like just break down and like criticize every possible thing you do. Yeah. It's not healthy yeah. at all. Hopefully he's all right though, man. I, I hope he uh he gets back in time for the play in because they need him. They do, definitely. Definitely. Like definitely in the East. Yeah, I just I, I need there there to be an option when Vucevic needs to get benched. Somebody's got to be there to bench him for. Yes. Yeah. That comes <laughs> in and just does his job. This Laker game, man. This the second Laker game. AD was just g- giving him the entire bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, he's going through his whole – he looks like he just worked on all these moves, and he was like, yo, I'm going up against we know who – a weak link, so I'm I'm going through the whole fucking bag today. Yep, exactly. And he had a good game too, but like AD was just feasting on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, hope Drummond's cool. Hope you get back. You know, yeah, does his thing. Uh, okay, the Hall of Fame. We can talk about it. Um. This Dwayne Wade, Dirk, Powell, uh, Popovich, Becky Hammond, and Tony Parker. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, good picks. All all goats. Uh, player wise, it's like in our prime. Uh, growing yeah. up with basketball, it it definitely is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of yeah. of those names. There, there's like a whole current generation of of kids and just people growing up now that mm-hmm. are completely asleep on how good Tony Parker was. Yes, like com- how unstoppable he was from getting to the rim mm-hmm. is 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 still to this day insane. You know who uh, who is like a. Like, they don't play alike, obviously, because this guy's a much better shooter. But getting to the basket, sometimes um, cool reminds me of Tony. Mm, the, yeah. the spins. Yeah. And the way Tony could get all the way to the glass at his height, like, just, you know, the, the cross. He does the same crossover, not the yeah. not the V crossover, but the come over crossover those mm-hmm. guys do. Yeah. Tony is elite. Pool, pool, pool has, like, a little more flavor with his handle. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, but it, the spin move really is is a good comparison because it's yeah. he, like he doesn't come at you like he's that athletic, and then he spins in like point five seconds, and you're like, yeah. what the hell? Like, how is it so fast? And then he finishes on either side. You know, yeah. 
he'll find the assist when you least expect it. Poole's very similar in that way. Yeah, and Poole obviously is fancier, like, in ISO. It's not really in ISO much. But when they're going downhill, they have this, the same change of direction they like to do. And, like, you blink, and they're slapping glass. Like, you're there in front of them, and then you blink, and then they're yeah. laying it up behind you. So, Yes, yeah, so with certain guys, if you're backpedaling, it's over. It's Tony, over, yeah. Tony Tony was one of those guys. You can't you cannot backpedal on him. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. You're Especially the way he shot the floater. The I yeah. really hadn't seen guys shoot the floater like a push. Mm-hmm. Like Nash, Nash was cool because he shot it like a runner. But but yeah. watching hardwood classics, other guys had done that in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but with Tony's his like two foot push floater. Yeah. Really wasn't you didn't see it that much in the league before that. No, you didn't. You really didn't. I mean, yeah, and you know, part of it is the I'm not gonna rant about Tim Duncan today, but part of it is that people overestimate I think sometimes people overestimate other guys on the team and then underestimate the Tony Parkers and the the Nobles and everyone else on the team. I know. So I that's what I think happens sometimes because these guys were legit. Parker would have been a Hall of Famer anywhere he went because he's great. He's great. He was even I mean, honestly like, weirdly great on that Charlotte. That Charlotte for, year. for a brief second, yeah, that was really weird. It's really strange. <laughs> and he was still dog because the team was now. like the team was a lot of guards. Their play style yeah. was like just feed the guards and just do whatever. And it Parker yeah. made it work so well. Uh, but yeah, man, he's he's such a such a unique guard, such a unique point guard, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other guys, the other guys, people yeah. are more hip to. Yeah, the other guys were. I mean, Dirk and D Wade were locks. Like it was no yeah. surprise. Yeah. You know, D Wade's the top five shooting guard ever. Um, Dirk is the top five power forward ever. You know, this is no surprise there. Those guys but dominated the league for so long. They did. They did. They, and, you know, D-Wade, I want to say he – I would say D-Wade even changed the game in a way where, like, the two-guard – your shooting guard wasn't really a shooter. Like, you know, I think before that, uh, around the league, and even when he was playing around the league, most of the shooting guards were – Really good shooters, and yeah. Davis is an okay shooter, and um, he's more of an attacker, you know, more of a mid range, even more of a post up guy mm-hmm. from the wing spot. Other than like Jordan, that wasn't that common, you know, other, yeah. and Kobe, obviously, but uh, and Wade being kind of undersized and still being a post up guy was different. So, I'm in mean, again, that's a small. Thing that he did is not didn't like maybe change the entire league, but it was odd something like D Wade to be how he was. And D Wade was like the pinnacle of leadership too. He was, yeah. I mean, he's he was. flawless character guy. We talked about earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah. Made guys better, even though he again he never really. You see it now with like if CP gets hurt, D Book has to kind of fill in as a point guard. You know, it kind of naturally happens throughout the league when a point guard gets hurt, the the other lead guard steps in. 
D Wade really never changed his game, but he still found a way to to make guys better all the time. He did. Which was just like a leadership thing more than anything. Yeah, and he was in a quiet leader too. Because like he he was never a vocal, um, you know, like not a loud guy. He never seemed like yelling at the team. Yeah. He was just quiet and very determined. He was just he had a lot of fire inside. He was just great, man. Great. And an underrated dunker, too. In game dunker. I don't know about underrated. I think he's underrated. I don't know about underrated. His right to left, and then he's at the rim. I mean, KG used to hesitate contesting those. D-Wade may be a top 10 in-game dunker. Maybe a top five as far as guards go. Yeah, I I would say he's locked as far as guards for top 10. Yeah. Because he was just, Uh, man, he, he was such a slasher, too. So relentless. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, and Dirk, man, scoring machine. I mean, is really all you have to say. That's all oh, yeah. I have to say about him. Just a scoring machine. Great he, yeah, so simple too. His game was so simple, uh, but yet he is such a similar to Kobe. Like mm-hmm. it's the footwork that yeah. made those guys so insane. Yeah, and their dedication. I mean, Dirk. Dirk had the trainer, and later in his career, they started showing us kind of some of the stuff he was doing. And you see, I mean, KD stealing all his drills nowadays. Uh, Dirk's kind of it really uh, put into focus how important balance is for shooters. Yeah, he did. Yep. Because a lot of times it was like either supreme athletes or just pure shooters. Mm-hmm. But Dirk was just so so disciplined, man. Such a good player. Near score. He he um, mastered angles. He mastered arc because he could. I mean, oh, yeah. Dirk's shot would go straight up in the air, high, high, right through the net. Yeah, and yeah. Though yeah, he, he would swish, he would swish when like it doesn't touch the net at all. Like when it literally yeah. falls through, man. Yeah. I would like. It's crazy. No matter who was guarding him, no matter where he was on the floor, I mean, he, he was he was tough, man. He hit, he hit a lot of threes. Him and Nash were like, you know, original two guys on the same team that are like knockdown shooters. Yeah. Um, Probably the most clutch individual championship run ever. Yeah, I would say. Uh, yeah. Like, in, and in every way, too, because he was – if they had lost that year, I mean, he probably never gets a ring. And yeah, they were probably done. We're looking at him as like, look at the playoff failures. Mm-hmm. I mean, they choke the finals in 06. They're a disappointment every year after that. Yep. Incl- I mean, the MVP year, they get they lose in round one. Yeah. He was Burke was really, really, really good, but that year, like cemented him as a great as a oh, legend because yeah. otherwise he would have just been like a yeah. really really good player but then that year that championship and just even the battles against the other really good teams because that team had no business competing with some of the other teams yeah. they compete with I mean, like, okc right, was Lakers. like okc was like a decade younger at every position mm-hmm. i mean and think about it jason kid old as hell 
Sean Marion, not old as hell, but old. Tyson Chandler, he was still like approaching old. Yeah. Brendan Haywood was old as hell. Karan Butler, old, pretty old at that point. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody on the Deshaun Stevenson was getting old at that point. Pretty much everyone on the team stopped playing after. <laughs> I mean, Jason Terry uh, drew it out for a while. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Marion tried to draw it out a little while. And, you know, Chandler's the only one who still had a lot of career left. But he also was pretty much done. After that, Chandler never. Chandler was never as well. No, he had one year that he was better, and then was never as good. Yeah, yeah, right. He was he was really good on the Knicks after that, but that one year, the defensive yeah, player year. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Dirk. Dirk is the man. Dirk was really, 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 really good, and, and he's someone too that it's just Dirk. It was really. Never tell a power forward to watch Dirk and learn how to play like Dirk. You, that's Dirk did what he did, and there's not going to be another one of those. And I wouldn't even want another one of those. Yeah. He's just that very unique player. And pal, man, I mean, you know, that was good. Really, really, really good. Uh, he's one of the bigs that was like sneaky good at everything. He didn't use it all, but he was good at like literally everything. Powell could hit threes, Powell could hit jump shots. Powell was probably the best passer on the team in a lot yeah. of occasions. Um, you know, Powell had nice handles for his size. He just did he just knew not to use it. He just played his role really well. Um one of the best plug and play bigs, like hey, no matter what team Powell went to, Powell was gonna contribute and gonna be good. Yeah. He, bro, yeah, he, of all the people I had watched, he made the triangle look the most unstoppable. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Like Kobe, Kobe for himself, Jordan for himself did that, but it never was like, oh, if you're running the triangle, we can't stop you guys. Right. It, when, it was just Kyle like, I was running it. Oh my God. He had Lamar Odom right. look like, like a best center and best point guard. I mean, Bynum looked unstoppable. You had Fisher getting good, good open looks all the time. I mean, they were just pow, pow made it just seamless. All the options seamless. I had great vision. He was a great passer. He was great a high, passer. high to low guy too. Great high low guy. Yep, willing a willing passer. He was he just knew how to play basketball. His IQ. He might be up there in one of the greatest, as far as bigs, IQs that um, has played the game. So, um, and I mean, you need a high IQ to make the triangle look like what you're talking about. And, you know, Shaq wasn't wasn't the biggest IQ guy. No one on yeah. Chicago was the greatest IQ guy. And that's, um, those guys are so good. Like with Shaq, I mean, you get me the post-touch. What do I need the triangle for? Like... Yeah. I got what I want. Right. With with Kobe, it was like I got the free throw ISO. It's over. Like, yeah. why do we need to keep running it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, they could run the triangle without Kobe on um without. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yep. yep. Shout out to them. Becky Hammond. I gotta say something about her. She's she was a fantastic player. A lot of young people think, you know, Becky's just this, you know, lady that coaches. She's an yeah. amazing player. Amazing. And um, speaking of IQ, 
I mean, legendary basketball IQ. And that's why she's such a good coach now. I mean, she yep. one year in the league, she goes right to the finals in the WNBA. Right to the finals. First year. Yep. Um, she and, won you know, the, the Spurs a, Summer League, right? Yeah, she did. She won the Spurs Summer League. She's going to get an NBA job one of these days. You know, when, when one of these teams actually want to win and want to be creative, Becky Ham is going to get one of these jobs. It's going to be, be easy. Yeah. It's going to be yep. easy, too. They're going to, she's going to, whatever situation she gets, you can just tell it, it, she's going to make it successful. It probably is. Serene Popovich just keeps having fun with the Spurs now, because Becky was supposed to take his job. Like I, I was getting, ago. I was gonna say the Spurs are oddly competitive in like a w- fun way. Like Houston yeah. is, even when Houston wins, they're miserable. Uh, yeah. Detroit's kind of the same way. San Antonio like really has fun winning every now and then. They do, yeah, yep. This is just crazy. Uh, we don't even need to mentioned Greg Popovich, but oh yeah. For you young guys out there, you guys who don't know much about Becky Hammond, look Becky Hammond's footage up like ASAP. Because yeah, Becky was sure. fantastic. And she's well deserved. And I mean she's she has so much more career to even add to this Hall of Fame, oh. you know uh you know, her being Hall of Fame. She has so much more to add to her career. And like I said, she's going to get an NBA job one of these days. She's going to be great. So, yep. Uh, yeah, good, n- nice class. Um, I was looking at some of the snubs. And they're not really snubs. I don't even really, really want to talk about them. But some of the other guys that could have made it this year, you know, no disrespect, but no. Nah. Get another year, yo. Look at the list. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I'm sorry. You got to wait. Like, you're not, yeah, you're not taking anybody obvious. off here. Nope. No. And there's no one who can even argue, like, oh, I should have made it. Nah. Yeah. You should have. <laughs> so I'm here with Tyler Crook, our NCAA expert. Uh, Mike isn't here as doing this at a late time, but it's all good. Um, let's get right into it, man. All right. One of the wildest March Madnesses ever. One of the wildest tournaments ever. Um, me and you have both agreed that this was a very oddly seeded tournament this year. How'd you feel about that? Well, I mean, going into it, I didn't feel strongly about the number one seeds so i felt like they may go down but obviously nobody saw this coming like i figured we'd have probably one number one seed and then one number two or or at least a three and we have what our highest our our lowest seeded team is the, the five seed so it's been insane uh, uconn at the four UConn oh uconn at the four you're right you're right you got yeah, that yeah. and i thought uconn should have been a higher seed than four yeah, they had a great season. Who, um, this curious, who did you think should have been the first seeds, the number one seeds? I mean, Alabama deserved one, so I was fine with yeah. that. Um, sure. yeah. I mean, it's hard to say Purdue didn't because the Big Ten, like, is a great regular season basketball conference, and Purdue performed so well, but 
I could kind of see through that. I think everybody could see through that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch them play, Edie is great, and there's really no stopping him. But after that, I mean, I wasn't scared of anyone on that team outside of Edie. Right. So, right. Um, Purdue, I mean, I guess they deserve one. But like I said, I think everybody could see that coming. And then, I mean, you look down the bracket. I mean, I love the Big East this yeah. year and yeah it's good to say yeah. that now but um marquette wasn't deserving of a one um i think i think and i i know everybody would agree with this like it there was there weren't any great teams there weren't any teams le- mm-hmm. that like really stood out among the rest and so we expected some upsets and like you said uconn could have easily i mean they were they were a very good team all year long and they got a four so Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the ACC was weak, but they played well all year long too. So, as far as who should have been ones, I mean, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas was a good team. So I, I can't really fault the committee for what they did as far as one seeds, but yeah. I wasn't confident that those teams were string together four or five wins either. Right, right. It was a really competitive year. I think this is one of the few years that I can remember where so many teams had like just basic records like, there's mm-hmm. no two loss three loss teams like we're all in the seven eight losses and we're getting really really high seeds um so yeah it, it was tough on the committee but i do think i do think like you said about purdue and i think kansas another team is always good regular season but they always have a lot of holes when it comes to March Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they could have worked around that as well, but uh, it is tough. It is tough. Zag is one that they like to give the first seed, like a number one seed too, but we know their regular season schedule is like the weakest probably in the whole tournament. So, um, okay, so let's talk about the upsets. Yeah. What was the most surprising upset to you? One cool point I wanted to mention. So I was at the Kentucky and Montana State. No, it was Kansas State, Montana State, and Kentucky Providence game. But when Fairleigh mm-hmm. Dickinson was playing Purdue, it was during the Kansas State, Montana State game at the uh-huh. very end. So everyone in the arena, they had put the game up on the big board, the mm-hmm. Purdue Fairleigh Dickinson. So everybody started chanting. They were like, FDU, FDU. So everybody was pulling for FDU. It was, it was cool. Um, yeah. And like we mentioned, like we we saw holes in Purdue, but gosh, I think Fairleigh Dickinson's biggest player is six five. Yeah, Something like and that, they beat yeah. Purdue like it's unreal. It's really that upset is just unbelievable. Um, I mean, that one obviously that one takes the cake. Um, the Furman Virginia, I picked Furman. I thought they were going to win, and Virginia outplayed mm-hmm. them and just, just gave the game away. Um. Right. And that's that's Virginia's play style. They keep it close, and they're normally the team that doesn't commit those mistakes late in the game. But mm-hmm. they're going to be within six to eight points unless they just unless you just have a terrible game. You're going to be in that six eight point range, and that's where Furman was. And all of a sudden, you look up, and it's a two point game. And yeah. Yeah. what happened happened. So those were two cool upsets. The Furman game was awesome. The shot was was cool. So I enjoyed that yeah. one. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, 
let's talk about the Final Four. Let's jump mm-hmm. right to it. Um, who out of these four, when the tournament started, who did you think would make it to the Final Four out of these four? Like, if I had, to, if I gave you these four, I said, which one of these would you guess would make it to the Final Four? Who do you think you would have chosen? Well, that's I'm, kind of a tough question. I'm probably most well versed on ACC basketball, so mm-hmm. like. If I would have really dug into UConn, I might, I might have been more on UConn, but I was on Xavier. I was all over Xavier earlier this year, and they had Zach Fremantle get hurt, and that really thwarted their chances to go to the Final Four. Um, I wasn't on UConn. Now, watching them now, they look like a great team. Um, yeah. But Miami, I, I really thought going into the year, I thought North Carolina was going to finish first in the ACC, and then I thought Miami would be right behind them. So – I, I've loved their team. And Amir, the guy that's been a revelation for them, he was a big question mark going into the year. Everybody was saying, like, he transferred from Arkansas State, was first team all um, all Sunbelt at Arkansas State. But a lot of people had questions about how his game would translate to the ACC. And um, he's done an outstanding job for, for Miami. Without him, um, which we saw in the Duke game in the ACC uh, semifinals, he got hurt in the first two minutes. And – um, Miami hung in there, but without him, they they have no depth. So, um, I really liked Miami's team. I did not see them making the Final Four, but that would have been the team I would have picked out of these four. Gotcha. Okay. So, who do you got in these games? Well, um, Florida Atlantic is interesting. So, I've watched them play several times because they're in Charlotte's Conference, my alma mater. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think they were anything special, really. I mean, I knew they were a good team, but, you know, watching them play throughout the tournament, they're just like – they're hard-nosed. They knock down big-time shots. And San Diego State, I heard their coach. Their coach made a statement. He was like, look, guys, whenever we find a team that's tougher than we are, we'll shake their hand and we'll go home. But we haven't found that team yet. And – you just have to respect like the the culture they have and and that program San Diego State like they're known for for that and that's what they brought this year. So in that game, I'm gonna have to go San Diego State. I just think they're gonna be so well prepared. I mean, FAU this this week long break going into the Final Four, they're gonna be smelling the roses, and I know they're gonna be focused. But I think San Diego State is on a mission, and they really believe that they could win it all. So I'm going with them on that one. What do you have there? I agree with you. Um, I think FAU is a real balanced team. Uh, I love Florida Atlantic. I've been there a few times. Beautiful, beautiful place. But, uh, yeah, San Diego State is just – even just the history of that that school has always been a school that is um, tough, like you said, well-prepared. yeah, I don't see I don't see that upset happening because that definitely would be an upset even if it is in the final four. I don't see it happening. No doubt. I mean, how crazy would it be to see Miami versus Florida Atlantic in the national championship game? That would be fire. That would be really really cool. <laughs> yeah. But on the other side, I guess I'll go with the upset there. I know it's only like a one and a half point spread right now, but um, well, mm-hmm. it might be more than that, but um. UConn has played so well that there has to be a little letdown game coming. Not like they beat everyone by 15 yeah. or more. 
in the four games they've played. Mm-hmm. And Miami's just that team like we saw against Texas. Texas had an outstanding basketball team, and I thought that game was over. Miami was down 13, yeah. and, and they just clawed back. So Miami's going to be right there. And I think the question is, like, with Amir versus Sanogo, does Amir get in foul trouble? Um, does Sanogo, like – like because against Gonzaga, for example, Timmy got in foul trouble, and Sanogo, like, Timmy could really not do much against him, and that's why that was such a dominant performance by UConn. Um, but if Amir can handle Sanogo, I think, scorers-wise, I think Miami has what it takes. See, that, that is going to be a really close one, and they are four and five. So, you know, according to the NCAA, they're pretty uh, close in, as far as talent goes, or competitive, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the guard play in this one is going to be really, really big. It's going to be really, really important because um, Miami does have a lot of aggressive guards. Everyone on the team can score. But you can say the same thing about UConn. And yep. UConn got some guys that are guaranteed going to the NBA. It's tough to call. I I don't know who I want to pick. Um, like my gut goes with UConn, but you know my heart probably goes with Miami. So. That's probably how I am too, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, it's a toss up. Um. I think – I mean, obviously, UConn has more depth, but they're on, like, five days rest coming into the game, so I'm not really worried about that. Obviously, foul trouble could be an issue for Miami. But, I mean, when it comes down to what Jordan Miller did last game, 27 points, perfect from the field. Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year, although it was a week, there was really no good candidate for ACC Player of the Year. But still, um, those two and then – um, Brevin Joseph has been playing well. Um, Nigel Peck is an outstanding shooter, but like you say, Jordan Hawkins is even a better shooter on the other side. So you have Hawkins like tough. great matchups. So yeah. um, it's going to come down to the wire. I think both games are going to be highly competitive. I think both games will come down to the last two minutes. I hope so. Does the winner of Miami UConn win the championship? See, everybody's going to think that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think San Diego State is our national champion this year. What do you think? Really? Why not? I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, this whole tournament has been why not so far. So, it's possible. Like you, San Diego State, obviously, people have never thought about them and like, the upper echelon of college basketball. But yeah. they, they have a respected program. And yeah. they Solid basketball. Ever, ever since I've been following college basketball, I've known San Diego State. Like, yeah, they're going to defend. Um, and I'm trying to think, well, Kawhi went there, but there was somebody between Kawhi and present day that was really solid. And I don't players. They've had some great players come through there. So, um, obviously, they have the, the easier game in the Final Four, which that doesn't really matter per se. But I think if it was me and I was, and I was on Miami – or UConn, I will be thinking, all right, guys, like, let's lock in. Let's, let's do what we got to do right here. We'll win this one, and then we get to play either San Diego State or FAU, which I'm sure they're not thinking of it that way because both of those teams have earned their way to the Final Four. But you got to think, if they win that game, they're like, all right, guys, we, 
we're going to win it all. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So you think they'll come in kind of underestimating no, I'm sure the winner of the... No, they won't do that because in the national championship game, like if 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 we're talking about a blue blood like a like a Kansas, maybe. Yeah. UConn, Miami, like especially Miami. Miami has never been in this spot before, so they're not going to underestimate anybody. Mm-hmm. But um, I think like San Diego State, I really feel like they, if they can make shots, Matt Bradley has played terrible. Matt Bradley is San Diego State's best player, and he has played awful in the NCAA tournament. And they've still won games. I think he's due for one. Due I think he's a good due. game. I think he's due for one. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, all I know is that I I hate the way college basketball is trending, but also I kind of love it because I think we're going to start seeing this every year. Stuff like this. We're not going to be seeing it this um, intense or or whatnot, but every year mm-hmm. you're going to be seeing a team that that comes out of nowhere and just strings together four or five wins in the NCAA tournament. That's all it takes. So tell me more about that. When you say college basketball is gone, what do you mean? I think the only real problem with college basketball is, in my opinion, there needs to be, outside of a coaching change, a one-time transfer rule without having to set out a year. So okay. if, if your coach leaves, then, okay, you can do whatever you want. But yeah. outside of coaching chains, let's do a one-time transfer rule without having to set out. So the only reason I say that, it's not really for the big programs. It's for the programs like FAU. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic's head coach, he was like, yeah, our guys have been getting recruited throughout this whole tournament to other schools for next year. That's, yeah. that's so unfair to a coach like that, like, He's having their team is having success, and it's credit to the players that they're having success. But literally, he's having to deal with his kids getting recruited in the middle of the NCAA tournament. And I don't doubt that that's yeah. true. I'm sure that's happening. So I think there would be a deterrent if it was like, okay, you can transfer one time for free, and that'll make people think about, okay, you know, because the, people are leaving good programs where they're starting. Like, and the Caleb Lowe yeah. situation is a little different. I, I understand the Caleb Lowe situation, but I mean, Caleb Lowe is going to play 33 minutes per game next year in North Carolina, and he's transferring out. Like I say, I mm-hmm. understand the situation, but there's players all across the nation that had guaranteed roles and and are still leaving just because, okay, we could put together a better NIL package than the next guy, or or we can do this or that. So that's that's what I mean by I hate the way it's trending, but at the same time, I I love the fact that kids are staying in college now. Yeah. You know? The NIL has definitely changed a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, tell me more about Caleb Love. Like what what is the actual deal with why he's transferring? Is there has he said why? He hasn't said why, and I hate to speculate on like on his behalf because I don't really know. But one mm-hmm. thing I will say about him is like as far as being a North Carolina fan, obviously there's been frustrating times with Caleb Love, but I genuinely feel like he's given – put his best foot forward in North Carolina and given 110%. Um, you can yeah. blame some of the inefficiencies on coaching or you can blame whatever you want to blame it on. Um, I think for him it just got to be a bit overwhelming, like the fact that we went to the Final Four and he was like the guy. 
Like he yeah. he was twenty points a game through that tournament run, and then this year happens, and I think it's just too much for him as far as the criticism goes. Yeah, and I realize now he's a professional technically because he's making he probably made. I mean, obviously six figures. I don't know how much over a hundred thousand dollars this year. So it's it's hard to say like, okay, you can't criticize them because criticism is 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 gonna come when you got technically professionals now. But well, people criticize them when they were amateurs too. But regardless, I, I just I feel bad about the situation, and I understand like why he's leaving. Um, I wish that wasn't the case. North Carolina may be better a better basketball team without him. I don't know. But if I could pick, I'd rather have him come back for a senior year. Gotcha. North Carolina definitely has a – they have some rebuilding to do as far as their um, their name in NCAA, their status. Because uh, it used to be one of the most preferred destinations for, you know, incoming freshmen. And now it's like – it seems like they really dropped off as far as being desirable to high school – Phenoms. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this uh, this is this makes it worse probably, but they got a lot of work to do as far as that goes. Super um, Davis got a long road ahead of him there. Um, you know, I I think we talked about this last year, um, you and I, but I think recruiting college recruiting for high schoolers has changed so much. And it's so different now. It's so um, highlight-based. Very few coaches actually ever go see some of these guys now. Like, mm-hmm. they, you know, unlike they used to. So a lot of times they are getting guys that they're not even really sure can play at the level. And the smaller schools are getting these guys that maybe the bigger schools just didn't get their highlights. Or, you know, they didn't see them on overtime elite or whatever. So um, it's spreading the talent out big time. This is the first time in McDonald's All-American history that there's no McDonald's All-Americans in the Final Four. So it's it's like that goes back to recruiting, you know? Absolutely. And it's really a travesty because, you know, for example, at Charlotte, there's a player named Bryce Williams. He averaged 15 points per game this year. And now – you know, when you find that diamond in the rough, the Bryce Williams or whoever it may be, there's so many of them each year. They have a great year for you, and then they're gone. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to like hold people back from what's best for them because obviously, when you have a great year at a Charlotte, the opportunity to go play at North Carolina or somewhere like that is is life changing. You know, so you don't want to hold people back from that. But it just it sucks for you. Why would a coach recruit? high school players at this point you know you develop them and then they lose. so so i would just stick to the portal right 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 yeah yeah that's a good point very very good point i just get all 23 year olds and every year and take my chances fred hoiberg did a great job of that at iowa state because it was like he was like the transfer king there for a while cool (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he had like teams completely full of uh, transfers at times. Yeah, this, you know, but it's interesting. Um, I agree with you though. I think we'll get a lot of first-time championships 
a lot of Final Fours where we don't know anybody that's playing from, you know, years before our, um, you know, teams mid-majors and stuff in the Final Four, which it is cool, but it can uh, it has an opportunity to get out of control eventually. Yeah, so um, what do you what do you do you think that it I mean do you think that's good for the sport? To an extent turning and stuff? No, I'm talking about like the parody, like having FAU in the final four and maybe just one time, but what about like you say, let's say it's two or three years in a row where you don't really see like your traditional powerhouses in the final four. I think it's good for college basketball. But I don't know if it's good for all of basketball, like the like basketball in general, because basketball from high school to the NBA, it may not be good for either of those, but it is good for college basketball because it is, like you said, it is parody. Um, we get to hear about more schools and see more schools play. But I do think that after a while, um, NBA scouting is going to be bad. Um, I think there would be a lot of really, really good players that don't get any shot to go to the NBA because of the parity in college basketball. It, it'll be guys, it'll be teams that go to the Final Four and to the championship where, like, not a single NBA player comes off of there. And Yeah. And, I mean, that's cool for college basketball, but for the NBA, it's always been really – to like follow somebody all the way to the NBA and to kind of know what's going on and for the NBA to invest in players. And then once they start investing in players that don't really deserve it, which we've seen, you know, hints of recently, that's when it may, it may be a, not so good for that level of basketball. Um, when it comes to high school, uh, I, like I said, the recruiting is still going to be still going to be all out of control, all crazy. And then yeah. guys will be skipping college in general. So I don't know if it's good for the sport of basketball, but it definitely is good for the NCAA. It definitely is. Yeah. Because uh, it got boring seeing the same teams in the That's Final fair. Four all the time. Um, yeah. And now you're seeing coaches move around a lot. Like you mentioned Xavier. Um, it, like – I think Texas has had a bunch of coaches. Texas A&M mm -hmm. has had a bunch of coaches. But, you know, obviously the Duke and Carolina coaching eras just ended recently. Um, Syracuse. I can just – all the top schools yeah. that we grew up on I all have new coaches. Yep. Now we're just so waiting I, on – I don't even know. Go ahead. The Bill Self Domino is the last one to fall, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know if there's if that coaching tenure is a thing in the future either. Because even in this tournament, I've, I want to say five different coaches went to a new college like while the tournament was happening that were in the tournament. Yeah, FDU coach got a new job. Um, Rick Pitino switched switched teams. Um, Ed Cooley. Uh, yeah, Cooley got a new job. Uh, so. That happened all throughout the tournament too, so that is getting kind of crazy. I don't think that goes back to kind of the what you're talking about as well. I don't I don't remember a time where coaches felt like it was that easy or that like okay to just switch schools either. Um, 
and I know that's a different situation. It's, it's their only job, and they're you know they're not they're not coaching to coach somewhere else. They're coaching college basketball to so that's their job. So I know that's a little bit different, but it's like a different freedom to move for the players and coaches in college basketball. And I, I'm not so sure that um, it's a great thing, but I agree. I it mean, it's fun to watch. It's, it's cool to see like in North Carolina, for example, they like to watch a Armando Baycott blossom from a freshman to a senior. That stuff is so cool. And to watch a Roy Williams coach for 25 years and a Mike Krzyzewski coach for 40 years, like that stuff as a fan, I like that stuff. And like you say, I mean, I'm sure you'll still have some of that. And I forgot to mention Tom Izzo. He's still standing. That He's a great coach. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. We, we won't see that really much anymore, which it is what it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to cry about it, but – um, that's one of the downsides, and that's something that may need to be corrected. But the question is how. Um, overall, though, I I think it was a great NCAA tournament. I think people bashing like the fact that Florida Atlantic and teams like that made the Final Four are ludicrous because Florida Atlantic literally went toe to toe with which I realized they played FDU and and FDU beat Purdue, but they went toe to toe with some really good teams and they beat them. Yeah. They deserved Memphis and Tennessee are both. Great schools, great teams. And Kansas State too. Yeah. So, yep. So I I don't I don't agree. Really any year that a team makes the final four, um, like I want to watch that that team play. Like they they just won four games in the NCAA tournament when all the other teams couldn't. And mm-hmm. they be there. So I, I've I've enjoyed watching Florida Atlantic play. I've enjoyed the tournament in general. And I think we're going to have two really highly competitive games on Saturday. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I will say this too um, about the NCAA and the coaches uh, not really keeping a long tenure anymore. I, maybe I'm speaking from a basketball purist and player more than as a fan. So yeah. I think it may be more fun as a fan. But for me, um, I used to love when I knew like, the kind of players colleges were looking for or the kind of system colleges had. Like I used to love Rick Pitino's uh, two guard press. I think he, I think it was a one, two, two press. He would run at Louisville. That was deadly all the time. And every year he had two super quick, small guards that were like unstoppable, that would press you to death. I knew that was coming every year. Same thing with UConn had a very similar uh, guard thing. Villanova had another um, heavy point guard, uh, uh, point guard heavy roster all the time. Um, the like Cincinnati, San Diego State, those kind of schools would always have like the strongest players. Uh, mean, they were tough all the time. They get a lot of technicals. They get in fights all the time. That used to be really fun to watch, and you knew what you were getting from the college, from the program, more than just like, um, more than just the coach. You know what I'm saying? You remember those. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Virginia, had, no? uh-huh. but, like Virginia, Tony Bennett. I mean, which it may not be as exciting as the other ones you were naming, but you know what kind of player they're going to recruit. Yeah. And so that's a great point. Um, it, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, 
I think, you know, with as far as teams like like Rick Patino and, and coaches like that, you're still going to have that. They're going to carry their styles over to the new schools they go. And then once they get to like a destination school like NATO to Alabama, you think he'd leave there? Probably. I don't know. But, like, once you get there to that school you want to be to, then they'll stay as long as they'll have them. But it's going to be hard to be a consistent winner with what's going on. And how are you going to make three Final Fours in a decade? That's going to be tough. Right. The only the only thing about coaches like Tino carrying, you know, certain coaches carrying their styles is when you get to a different conference and you don't get the same – uh, or like a different size school, and you don't get the same recruiting desirability. Like, you know, going from Louisville to Iona, he's not going to get Louisville players to go to Iona. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That and and obviously he's at St. John's now, but he's not going to get Iona level play, players at St. John's. They may be better players, and I know a lot of the St. John's incoming recruits have already backed out because Bettino told them like. I'm looking for a different level of player. So yeah. that's the one thing that's going to be really interesting because those players go somewhere else, maybe go somewhere smaller or bigger, and that it creates more and more parity, which is, you know, goes back to what we were talking about. It is going to be exciting, but, yeah, it, it's a double-edged sword no matter how you look at it. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh that's all I have. You got anything else you want to mention? Well, I mean, I, I just think it'll be interesting to see where guys end up, see how rosters shape up. We still have two more games. Well, three more games left. Um, yeah. For those, and then we'll have to talk about the rosters. I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. I've already seen a few guys committing um, to to new schools and that's just what we're going to end up talking about, you know? I mean, I yeah. I don't really do, but that is college basketball now. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I really hate I, I hate Texas had to play Miami because I at Texas Texas was the best team left in my opinion. And Dylan DeSue didn't play and I hate it for Texas. Those guys went through a lot of adversity this year. Um yeah. I really but, like Texas team. Yeah, no doubt. And they were one of the first to kind of jump on that transfer thing. They got Marcus Carr from Minnesota, Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, um, DeSue from Vanderbilt, Timmy Allen from Utah. And they already had all those guys. I think all of those guys That's this year was either – was probably their third – it was either their second or third year together. Um, so – Smart left, right? Yeah. As you have to think about, you know, for Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State, he averaged like 15 points per game. And then he goes to Texas and he was kind of a role player this year. I mean, he still played 35 minutes a game. Great. But I think guys, you know, he says that I will stay. How would that not be better for his overall outlook as far as personal development goes, as far as NBA goes, you know, to showcase his skill. I mean, I realize Texas is a bigger platform. What do you think about that? What do you think about players that they forsake the, the ball dominant opportunity or the the usage hog opportunity and go to a, a, a great team, do you think that, that helps them or hurts them? 
it depends what kind of player they are. But, you know, I, obviously some guys want to get closer to home or, uh, you know, maybe want to play with someone they know, a teammate they know. But when it comes to the change of role, um, I think when it comes to the NBA, and we mentioned this a little bit um, with Abaji last year, some guys in college, how they play is definitely not how they're going to play in the NBA, whether it's uh, versatility-wise. Sometimes you have to pick something to actually be good at before you go to the league because the guys who are just kind of good at everything don't really get opportunities in the NBA, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so if you're in a spot where, yeah, I'm a ball handler, but I'm 6'5", and I'm not like a great ball handler, I'm just an okay ball handler, then, you know, maybe you need to focus on your scoring and show you're going to be a scorer because when you get to the NBA, you're not going to be a point guard, you know? Yeah. That, that happens a lot of times, and I think scouts scouts definitely communicate with these guys and tell them, like, hey, we're looking at you, but we already have a point guard, and your point guard skills really aren't what, we, what we're looking for, but we think you're going to play too, so is there any way you can figure out to show us more of your two-guard skills? Whatever that is, I know that happens. Mm. Um, I'm obviously it doesn't happen like to everybody, but I know that happens um, to an extent. And sometimes it's just um, sometimes the environment this isn't fun too. You know, so, so, sometimes they rather have more fun with less pressure. Uh, like you mentioned, maybe Caleb Love could be having that um, in a situation where, yeah, I'm taking a lot of shots, but it's really not fun for me. I'd rather go on a team that's that's winning where I can take a step back and just have a good time. Or maybe I know I'm not going to the NBA, so I'm going to go back and just enjoy my last few years. You know, that that could happen. But um, I do think it does hurt some guys' development, but not that much because a lot of times the scouts have more communication with them than we think they do, you know? Yeah, and if you're like, Six six, and you can jump out the gym, and you have a great looking shot. It doesn't really matter where you play or how many points you average. Well, I mean, it does, but exactly. they they know what they know what what potential they see in you. So, mm -hmm. and if you if you're a three and D guy, then you can go be on a great team and know your role on that great team, win a national championship, and and go to the NBA. I'm trying to think of somebody recent. I mean, Abachi is a fair is a fairly close comp to that although he was like a a leader on that team like you know mm -hmm. um i mean tyrese hunter is close but i don't really think he i haven't seen him as an nba prospect really that much um i don't think of a transfer that ended up going to the nba i can't think of one off the top of my head right now um but yeah we'll see it'll be interesting about the players that are in the final four right now jordan miller i mean he he like you say he he probably did a lot for himself in that elite eight i'll give you a good example like seth curry with that liberty he was like one of the best scorers in the whole conference at liberty mm -hmm. but they probably told him like look you're six three and you know i know this because i've talked to him about this you're six three you're not going to go be you're not going to be the best scorer in the nba like it's not going to happen you're, gonna, you're maybe going to be a spot-up shooter. You know, you might not even start. So mm -hmm. he went to Duke and played. He, how he plays at Duke is exactly how he plays in the league. It's not nothing like how he played at Liberty. You know what I mean? 
you couldn't have brought up a better example than that one, you know? Yeah, because exactly how he plays at Duke is how he plays in the league. And that's that's probably what he had to show. Like, look, I'm going to play at this higher, this better school, higher level, um, and show that I can fit into a role against some of the best, the best conference in the country at the time. Yeah, um, and who knows if he didn't yeah. do that, would have happened? Yeah, you know? right. He just would have been a full scorer at Liberty, and I mean, and it still took him a while to get adjusted into the league. He still was on the G League for a while, but still, um, yeah, I, I think that a lot of players go somewhere where they can actually give the NBA a preview of how they can be used in the league. And that, yeah. that's what I think Abaji's problem was. I, even though he was great on Kansas, I mean, fantastic on Kansas, but you look at him in Kansas and say, well, is he going to do that in the league? Uh, he hasn't. But, I mean, he, he still has time to be better in the league. I'm not saying his career is over, but he's someone that now he's in the league trying to adjust to how the – how he's supposed to be in the league, how he can be used. When um, in college, he was used as something that really wasn't going to translate. And yeah. I liked him, so I'm not. I'm not trying to be negative at all about him, but it just it just is what it is sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't trade the championship, but there's several cases of right. guys that do that and then they get nothing out of it. But anyway. Um, It'll be it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to this weekend. Um, I'm hoping Miami pulls it out. That's the team I'm pulling for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if not, hey, FAU, why not? It's a great story. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. Um, as, as a nine, they're nine, right? As a nine, ever yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Let me think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. UC- okay. a, UConn was an eight, right? With Kemba. So. Yeah, I um, think not, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kimber, yeah. Um, I'd have to look it up, but I think a nine is one. I mean, UConn might have been lower when the next year with Shabazz. Shabazz, and, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think because Kimber won to the Big East with that step back that year, so they probably were pretty high. I think the next year with Shabazz and Goatwright, they were, they were lower, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, college basketball is fun, man. It's so fun. I mean, it, it just thinking about um, thinking about those UConn teams. I mean, other teams too. But because you brought that up, thinking about those guys is is just fun. Fun to even remember, you know. I remember that game too. That Kimba game. Yeah. Four like four for overtimes. Midnight they were playing. I know it was late at night. I don't know if it was midnight, but still. Great game. That was a season of a lot of those um, multiple overtime games, too. Um, It was really competitive back then, but we're getting there again. We're getting there again for sure. Agreed. I feel like college basketball is better when UConn – I mean, when UConn and UNC are really good, college basketball is good. I'm all in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But – um. All right, man. I I appreciate you for joining us, joining me, but and, and Mike in spirit. Um, yes. After the championship, definitely gonna have you back on. Definitely. Sounds great, man. I appreciate you having me as always. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. Uh, anything else? Um, talk to Tyler about the NCAA. I'll add that to the end of this. 
Um, wild, wild tournament. Very wild tor- tournament. Very fun. Uh, men's and women's. Please watch the women's Final Four. It is going to be great. It is going to be fantastic. It is going to be fantastic. And um, this one, man, the men's just, it's been crazy. One of the craziest of all times. Yeah. Both sides have had so many upsets. Yeah. And um, talent distribution, which uh, me and Tyler talked about, but the talent distribution is at an all-time high. You know, like, it, there's great talent all around the country. Um, first Final Four with no McDonald's All-Americans in it ever in the history of McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, so that just tells you that there's a lot of talented basketball players out there. There's a lot of talented coaching going on. You know, shout out to the coaches who don't get enough love in college basketball to me. Uh, it's just been it's been great, man. Can't wait to see what happens. We'll definitely cover the the um, results on yeah. here heavy, but yeah. It's very uh as far as you, you mentioned the the balance, the player balance. Mm-hmm. Like from I, I don't know if the casuals kind of view it like like this, but as somebody who loves the game and is all over basketball, like knowing that the future seems like it's it's not going to be a couple teams dominating it's going to be you don't even know who and now the second tier teams who are just good programs by name uh yeah. like now they have a legitimate chance yeah uh, i mean team like you see a miami's a team who's always been kind of good but never like they never have the premier class they never have the premier season now they get hot yeah. at the right time, boom, they make a run. UConn yeah. gets hot, they make a run. A lot of mm-hmm. these teams that that really haven't had a chance in the past are now like right there with all these other teams. Yeah. So yeah. I mean it's it's exciting because to me, if anything, there's gonna be more tournaments like this. Yeah, it is. With the balance, with the coaching, like you're really getting to see that the coaching is a lot better than you would think at these other schools. The chemistry is, is better. I mean, mm-hmm. the, like you said, the players are crazy talented. Yeah. And and we just get to see more of that, man. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Absolutely is. Um, it is fun. And, you know, I, I will say this, and I've been super negative – on this in the past, but the um, the uh, other opportunities, the G League Ignite, the Overtime Elite, those other opportunities are making college basketball more competitive. Yeah, we don't get to see all the, you know, maybe the future, like, automatic draft picks like we, you know, normally do, but we're seeing a lot of talented guys that don't get that kind of press. Yeah. Because, you know, again, I also mentioned how bad college recruiting is right now. But, you know, part of it is that there's really good players that don't get the love. But now you're seeing – we still get to see those guys play. So – Yeah. And to me, like, personally and, you know, from people I've talked to, nobody really watches college basketball to, like, specifically see the NBA guys. Mm Mm-hmm. 
maybe the yeah. like the top of the top, you know, the top two, three, or or guys that we had heard about getting hyped up for a while. But yeah. you're really watching because it's so competitive. Right. And right. that to me, like college basketball is getting better at the thing that makes it so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just I couldn't be more excited. And to represent your school, you know, and now more schools are better, you know. Yeah, now like the schools who have never been, never had a chance to do this. And I, I love it from a player's perspective because now elite players like won't be looking at four schools. Right. Yeah. Now, Hopefully. now there's talent all over the country. There's coaching that'll put you in a position to be successful all over the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can now go to a mid-major conference and have a good opportunity to make a tournament run. Yeah. In the past, in the past, you had to line it up to make sure that your school had, you know, half or more of the roster were seniors at the at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the veteran leadership, you make like a two two-round run. Mm-hmm. Now you win your conference championship. And you're a legit contender. Yeah. And at least as a player, you could have that confidence now. And to your point, it's only going to make things more competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, Awesome. That's all we got today. Uh, Of course, we'll be back. NCAA tournament stuff. Uh, Hopefully more about the some of the NFL moves. Um, I think the playoffs will be pretty much locked by mid week next week. I would I would think not the plan, but the top six teams. Um, yeah, top We're, six we'll def- yeah, we'll definitely deep dive the uh, the matchups. We will know. Yeah, which yeah. will be uh, three and six and four and five. Yeah. And pretty much, yeah, I think the East 4 and 5 is pretty much done. The 6 we might have to wait for. Right. I guess Cleveland can still catch up, Philly, so it, it might might not. So we will see. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening. Um, subscribe, notifications, share, all that stuff, and we'll talk to you guys next week.